Welcome to our 100th episode of Breakout Culture. That is an absolutely astonishing achievement. I'm Ed Vasey. I'm the culture editor of Country and Townhouse magazine. And I'm Charlotte Metcalf. I'm the associate editor at the magazine. And to celebrate the fact that we've lasted for a hundred podcasts together, we thought we'd use this podcast to talk about hope and a very worthy cultural cause instigated by today's guest, Joseph O'Connor, a British-Irish artist and curator. In October 2020, Joseph launched Circa, as a platform to showcase digital art with a purpose in the public sphere, starting with Piccadilly Circus's famous light screen. He's here to talk about spreading optimism and hope around the world for 2023, starting with a message from none other than His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Good morning, Joseph. Good morning and happy birthday. Yes, we're 100 today. It's very, (laughs) very exciting, but we're still full of youth and energy. And it's very good to have you on the show. Before we get Thank talking about Dalai Lama, who I've actually met, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Let's start by telling our listeners what Circa is. I know it stands for the Cultural Institute of Radical Contemporary Arts, but tell us more. So Circa is an art and culture uh, platform, and we occupy space across digital billboard screens around the world. The idea was really quite simple. The, the word Circa means around about. So you'd say this building was constructed in circa 1900 and that would be a way to sort of dictate time. And when I was initially trying to get the project off the ground two years before COVID, I reached out to the property company that owned the site, uh, Land Securities. And this idea of Piccadilly being a sort of a clock became apparent through the way that over time its architecture had evolved and you could tell from the very first sort of Perrier advertising neon in 1903 all the way through to the 80s when you'd see Sanyo and Sony and all these different brands that you could look at photographs and almost tell the time by knowing how Piccadilly was reflecting the world that it was kind of responding to and that was really the beginning of Circa and then with the kind of the onset of The pandemic, it allowed this opportunity, I guess, for new ideas to be trialed and tested. And we were given an opportunity to launch. And Ai Weiwei was our first artist. And um, we now fortunately have presence on a network of over maybe eight screens in different cities around the world that pause every evening at the same time, which is the year. So it's now circa 2023. And we commission a different artist each month to consider the world around them and translate that into an urgent message of, you know, whatever it is that they want to communicate on this broad platform. And then to give purpose to that, we uh, sell prints and do quite a lot of work for the community with giving away grants and scholarships and helping to kind of invest in the future of art and culture. So let's hear now what the Dalai Lama has to say, his little clip. I totally committed. I'm trying to promote the sense of oneness of seven billion human beings. This world, we have to live together. So different nationality, different color, different religion. These are secondary. Mostly important, we human being. We should live happily, peacefully. Thank you. 
So that was the Dalai Lama. Now tell us about the 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 film and how you got to him and how that all happened. The Art of Hope uh, Commission was really a response to our. 2023 manifesto, which is titled uh, Hope, the Art of Reading What Is Not Yet Written. And the manifesto has really become an opportunity for us to set the tone for the year ahead. And at the time of planning for 2023, I felt that through discussing it with my team, that this idea of hope became radical at a time where we have economic decline and environmental collapse. And there's, there was just so much negativity, I felt, after and during the pandemic that I feel that entering this new year, I think hope is suddenly, hope becomes radical. And I, I think it creates a, a really great opportunity to use the platform to um, help others, people that might be struggling to, to find it. And what we write about in the manifesto is this idea that hope is a practice. It doesn't, you know, like His Holiness said, like hope doesn't just fall from the sky. It's something that you have to work at. And when we were trying to decide who would be appropriate to, I suppose, spearhead and launch this concept on hope, the idea just sort of like fell from a tree. It wasn't really a sort of, a, there was no sort of grand plan to it. It just seemed like an impossible idea. But with every impossible idea, there are key steps that you can take to try and make it into a reality. And uh, I was just fortunate that his, when I went onto his Instagram page, the most recent post that he had uploaded was a post showing the Tibet Hope Center, which I didn't even know existed, attending an event with graduate students who were visiting Darasamala for a teaching from His Holiness. So I thought, well, that's interesting. And I reached out to the Tibet Hope Center and I got speaking to Damdal, who is the founder and the director. And he was very inquisitive and asked me lots of very kind of pragmatic questions and didn't quite understand that we were offering his holiness, you know, to have occupy space for free across all of these different screens around the world. And so when we eventually got to a middle ground and it just kind of snowballed from there, really. How long is the video of the Dalai Lama? The video is an animation that also contains a recorded message from His Holiness towards the end. So normally our commissions are three minutes long, but then when we received this recording, we received permission from the screens to have an extra 30 seconds every night. And His Holiness's words really became the center point of, you know, how can we find a, a very iconic way to elevate these words so that it really catches people's attention and and this will be this will be broadcast on how many different advertising hoardings if i could put it that way so it will be on piccadilly lights every evening at 8 23 and then it will also be on a screen in kerfestendam in berlin every night at 2023 um on sunset Boulevard against the Pendry Hotel in Los Angeles every night at 2023. And then in Fed Square in Melbourne, Sydney, Australia every night until the end of the uh, month. So until the end of January. Wow. So when it's broadcast on Piccadilly Circus, is Piccadilly Circus going to come to a halt for three minutes while we all <laughs> listen to His Holiness's words? Oh, we wish. It's going to be quite hard to hear him over the traffic, isn't it? Interestingly enough, the, the, the site is kind of protected by English heritage. So 
they have to divide the screen up into a mosaic to honor the the kind of the, the the sections of the history where it used to be multiple screens and then a few years ago they obviously replaced it with one giant hd screen which is like the largest in europe and it's a wraparound but when whenever you go there if you look up it's always got a division of six different um patchworks that create the iconic um, layout and it was deemed that that was an important part of Piccadilly's heritage and of its history. So we we were we're, we're the only collaborator that's been granted permission by Westminster that are allowed to take over the full entire whole screen. When this happens and you're stood in Piccadilly and there's always busking or there's you know it's a very non-place Piccadilly. It's not a destination. It's really a place that you might pass through to go to the Royal Academy or heading towards Soho. The entire square just pauses and no matter who you are or what you're doing you're, you're you're standing in your tracks and you're looking up at this work and you're kind of asking yourself what is this what's going on but then in answer to your question about the sound we've we developed this system on our website so that if you put your headphones in you can hear the sound on amazing. the website as the work is on the screen that's absolutely amazing and this kind of stuff has been done before without wishing to obviously take away from you but um we could go back to um america and look at like jenny holzer i mean protect me from what i want in times square which was a public art funded project and it's such an important piece of public art and I, I think it's really important that artists always continue to find ways to present their work in the public space and to find ways to also push the needle forward of what public space can allow to be presented. But I really believe that it's through art and culture that you're able to then inspire the, the rest of the world to be more brave and to take more risks with how we can push things forward. And there have been a few commissions where we've been able to really do that. Tell our listeners what Ai Weiwei did. So Ai Weiwei, when, when we first collaborated together, it was only on Piccadilly. It was our first real month. He basically did a 30-part commission that ran from the 1st of October right till the end and then each night had a different film that told a different story of his life from New York in 1978 all the way through to the present day with the pandemic and with what was happening in China and then we ended that on Halloween on the 31st and we sandwiched together all of the clips and we played an hour the longest ever single piece of content on his on Piccadilly. I mean, it 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 was quite worrying. You didn't want to get called out for inviting a crowd together. You know, we <laughs> we we were kind of existing at a time where most of the museums in London were shut. They were they were not able to function. Everyone was kind of working online, and we were very lucky that we were able to find a, a middle ground that was both digital and physical. But because yeah. we were out. Because we were outdoor, it didn't really prevent people from being able to gather safely. I forget that now. But how did you persuade all these people to work with you? I really, I really believe in the power of, of an idea. And Circa really at its, at its founding is, is an idea. The idea to pause advertising, the idea to um, walk into one of the biggest property companies in the UK and to say, hey, I have an idea. And... You know, I, I have so much respect for them as an organization. You know, they're a FTSE 100 company for, for allowing me the opportunity to really um, 
demonstrate what could be achieved. There are so many new mediums technologically that are going to enable this to continue to evolve and grow. And that was really one of the, the main pitches that I really had for this being a great project is that, you know, if you think about Chelsea, if you think about Soho, all these neighbourhoods of London, it was the artists that moved in there first and they made those areas desirable and they made them somewhere that people wanted to live. And then they get priced out and then they have to move to a you know a bit further out. Look at what's happening. Margate. To short... Margate, exactly. <laughs> you can't really get more further than pushed right to the sea's edge, can you? And um, I feel like that's kind of what we're doing here because it was never my desire to use these screens to present decorative art for the side of a property company or to present you know, screen saver art that was just going to appease the local council. So a lot of our artists are often quite political. Like the, the commission by Tony Coke's Four Voices, Four Weeks, we showed that February 21. And he was able to find a way to get Elijah McLean's last words up onto Piccadilly as he was being murdered by a police officer in the States. You know, like these are, these are not works that are just there to sort of decorate the city. They're works that are really designed to make you stop in your tracks and think about or learn about something that you may not have come across otherwise. So there's also like a deep social responsibility to the project that I'm especially proud of. Well, not only are you selling prints to fund all this and donate profits to, I, I know with the Dalai Lama's print that you're selling for 150 quid that anyone can get from your website, you're, you're donating funds to the Hope Centre. But tell us about the other 11, you'll have another 11 artists, will you, coming up this year? Have, have, do you know who they are already, all of them, looking ahead? And if I'm really honest with you, like I'm not entirely planned ahead right now because what I don't like doing, I could make my life a lot easier and my team's life a lot easier if I just pulled 12 names out of a hat for a year. But the great thing about Circa is that often the commissions are so timely and there is a sense of urgency to the commission that I think makes the work better. But if, the, if you give too much time, what you get is a over-considered contribution and I think like with the Yoko Ono that came together in 24 hours and what did she do imagine peace just as Russia was invading Ukraine oh brilliant yeah and that and that that was you know that was one of our most successful to date we sold four and a half thousand prints in a month and it was really clear to me in that point that we had to donate all of the money from the print to charity it just wouldn't have you know been right to do anything no. other than that even though like we're a super small organization that that became a 300,000 pound donation to the UN and and so like we were invited to the UN end of last year to give a speech at, at the headquarters because it 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 turned out to be for, for the central emergency relief fund it was their second largest donation from a private donor that they'd received last year and Amazing. so like yeah so so from I'm really proud of that because that's 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 a thousand you know thousands of people coming together to achieve something and it's not really because of the billboards like the billboards play a part in this but it's really about the macro connection of the whole media um narrative you know we'd invest money into paid advertising so you could engage with the imagined piece by seeing something pop up on your Instagram feed even if you're not following circa or it could be that Yoko would have posted something or John Lennon's account posted something. Yeah. Or, so with his holiness, the Dalai Lama, it's all about oneness of humanity and hope. And you might come across that in the most strange way from listening to this podcast or 
you know, being on your phone or walking through Piccadilly and just accidentally looking up and not having ever come across Circa before. And I, I find that very interesting because it's really about media and about giving artists access to media, which is space that is often only occupied by brands. You've had people like Hockney and so on, haven't you? You've had some very big artists. Yeah, Hockney was quite a turning point commission for us because up until that point, um, we'd only actually had Piccadilly Circus. He, he, he wanted to show this sunrise and I just felt like showing it on Piccadilly would have just been a, I don't know, it was Hockney and it, it needed to be, you know, bigger. And I, I, I just had this idea that it'd be great to see the sunrise appearing on screens around the world. And that was really the, the impetus. It was not an ambition for us to be global. It was a sort of like an accident. It just sort of happened. And because of David, we were able then to go to the Midnight Moment project with Gene Cooney, which is run in Times Square. And then we partnered with them and took over like 80 screens in Times Square. And then we got a screen in Los Angeles and then we got a screen in Korea. We got a screen in Japan. So it was really through David that was the catalyst for this to become global. You know, Patti Smith was such a highlight, like, such an incredible commission because she gave so much to the month. You know, like she recorded a New Year's concert for us that was supposed to play at Piccadilly Circus at midnight. But then we got the front page of The Guardian and The Guardian suggested that there was going to be a punk rock concert at the peak of the second wave when the wave. So we then had furious like responses on Twitter and the council got involved and I think the police got involved and we had to cancel her New Year's concert and then yeah yeah but then it became an online streaming event and everyone because everyone had no plans for New Year's Eve people uh, we had like a hundred thousand people tune in to watch it online you know so there are there are different ways that each month bring something new to the table and I can say that we're going to be working with like Laurie Anderson for this year which I'm really excited about someone said to me recently when you're dealing with artists you're dealing with chaos you're in the business of chaos and I thought that was like quite an interesting way of describing what it is like to be operating within art because essentially like there is no product there is no structure you're 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 creating and building everything and with this sort of project everything has a different outcome and input because we're commissioning new work we're not putting up work that is pre-existing which would be so like amazingly simple and lovely and I wish I, that was the original idea and, and is the art that you commission kind of site specific in the sense I'm thinking about a uh, kind of digital artist like Refik Anadol who creates obviously digital art to be you know displayed on large digital walls but or are you taking a kind of analog medium if you like a hotly painting for example and putting it on a digital screen that's a good question. Everything is site specific. I mean, with the November 2021 commission with Hatain Patel, the work that we presented was a 3D scan of a, a matriarchal character. This image of a woman on Piccadilly was 3D modelled. So if you were standing in Piccadilly, she actually leaned out from the screen with her hand and then she turned around to paint the side of the screen with a paintbrush. And so in that regard, that that commission was entirely, entirely bespoke to Piccadilly because it's all down to angulation, positioning, where you are stood in Piccadilly dictates how 3D the actual experience is. So in that sense, like, yes, Hitain made the commission exactly 
for Piccadilly. Tony Cox made the commission exactly for Piccadilly. So whenever that work was recently shown at the Whitney Biennale in New York, the dimensions on the screen of it being shown were the Piccadilly dimension. But I think that starts to evolve when you have multiple screens in the programme because you're not able to just think about one. Yeah. And it becomes more of a, a, it's more of a global commission than a site-specific one. The Dalai Lama is running now. And then what happens on February the 1st? That's a really good question. And at the moment, we don't have an artist for February is the, is the oh. honest answer. Yeah. Oh, this, goes on all, this goes on all year round. Yeah. He's going to have a different artist every month. Yeah. And how do you pay for all this? We also give away a lot of money. Like last year, we um, set up two scholarships at Goldsmiths worth £15,000 for two um, MA students to do the Goldsmiths MA Curating and MA Art and Ecology courses. And we also do an annual prize where we give away £30,000 every September to a young emerging artist. There's actually a huge ecosystem behind this project. You know, I, uh, Julia is our head of prints and her job is to work with the artists to develop the prints that we sell and then to also package and post those out to everyone that purchases them. We've recently launched a new print subscription service. So you can subscribe for a thousand pounds and then you receive in the post throughout the year our monthly prints that arrive in your inbox. And so no, you see, that's I'm so pleased I asked that because that's exactly the kind of thing our listeners would love to do. It comes in a really fantastic um perspex um box frame that we designed with our studio in Italy, uh Studio Temp. And but you're saying you get a print a month for 80 quid, basically. The cost of subscribing becomes significantly more affordable than, than buying a print every month. But £1,000 for 12 prints a year seems to be an absolute bargain. Well, I mean, if you go on eBay now and you look at the Ai Weiwei's, they're selling for £1,000. And those were £100 at the very beginning. And, That's you know, amazing. The, yeah. the, David Hock, the, the David Hockneys are selling for... We sold about 3,500 of the David Hockneys. So those, those are selling now for about 300 The artists don't sign the prints, though. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. We're selling Douglas Gordon prints. He's he's the Turner Prize winning artist that was with the he's with Gagosian, and we're selling his prints and those are signed. So we the the way I've always done it is that we do a timed edition or a limited edition, and so those are always a, a way to kind of like give people an access point to be able to start building their collection. But then what we also introduced was a more sort of a fine art edition, and those are always signed, and we have like a very low. Um, edition size for those so like with you know with the Ai Weiwei that was the very first time that we did that and we sold so those are more like in the five thousand pound bracket and then the other ones are more sort of in the affordable range to give people the chance to collect and to you know have something but it's great they're still relatively unique I mean it's not like buying an Athena poster is it no no, I don't like the word poster anyway. Like I, I, but I also think that it's great for the artist as well because it allows other people to engage with their practice. And 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 I, I'm a firm believer. Like if you think back to John Berger and when he talks yeah. about the Mona Lisa and the the reason why it's the most famous painting in the world, it's not because of any magic. It's because of its multiplication through magnets and t-shirts and all these things that makes its fame more notorious and. I, I think that's also what's really valuable about this for the artist is that it's such a unique commission. It's not a gallery commission. It's not a physical turbine hall commission. 
and you have to sort of train your brain to think about it and to think around it in a very uh, site-specific way. One of the projects we're doing this year is with an artist called Precious Okuyoman, and she um, exhibited at the Venice Biennale this year, last year, sorry. And um, it's going to involve food. And so you'll be able to engage by going to a location and to get and purchase the item of food that she's eating in her work. And to, and to actually participate in the work that way. So I'm also looking at always finding ways to break away from the screen. I, 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 I never want this to become a billboard project. Mm. It's, it's really about using the screens to find new ways of disseminating culture. But I, I never like thinking about it as a billboard project. Mm. Otherwise, it would just be so two-dimensional. Brilliant. Well, very, very good luck with it. And everybody can see the Dalai Lama film. At, on Piccadilly Circus at 2023 every night. Brilliant. Thank you both so much. And thank you for having me as your 100th guest. I'm really honoured. Thanks so much, Joseph. That's all we've got time for this week. But next week, we're going to be heading to Manchester to talk about the fabulous transformation of the Manchester Museum. We'll be talking to the museum's director, Esme Ward. And if you want to hear someone seriously enthusiastic about what role a museum can play in completely revitalising city communities. Listen in then, it's really uplifting. As usual, you can find us at countryandtownhouse.com. You'll find the latest digital edition of the magazine there, as well as our sister podcast, House Guest with Carol Annette, who talks to some of the most fascinating and influential names in interior design. We love your feedback, so we want to hear from you if there's something you'd like to hear us profiling. Please leave a comment or email us on charlotte at countryandtownhouse.co.uk. See you next week.